Welcome to Hear Hear Everyone. This is an SPR podcast, and you can hear hear interesting policy discussions and really good bad jokes. In today's episode, we are talking about the maids, helps, servants, the didis, aunties, and bhaiyas. Meaning, we're talking about India's domestic workers. As we usually do on our episodes, I would love to tell you about the stats and figures around domestic work, but this is already where we bump into our first problem. which is a lack of data according to the national domestic workers movement domestic workers range anywhere from between 42 lakhs to an unofficial estimate of more than 5 crores this lack of information makes the topic even more important to understand because it is a growing issue as india's middle class expands and its rural workforce migrates to urban spaces more people are going to join the domestic workforce So today we'll be looking at domestic labor, understanding related policies and also view it from a very important caste and gendered angle. To unpack this issue is our guest Nemat. You can say hi if you want. Okay. And we're also joined by our co-host Dakshita. Hi everyone. And as always I am Ria. Uh Nemeth is currently pursuing her PhD from IIT Delhi and has previously worked as a research research associate with us at SPRF where she wrote her paper that we're discussing today it's it goes by the name of domestic workers in India and invisible workforce the link for which you will find in the show notes thanks for joining us Nemeth i know you hate doing interviews so a big thanks for letting me bully you into this I really do hate it, but I'm really excited. It's my first interview, so can't wait. Oh wow! I'm glad we were at the space for you. So I will jump straight into it because I just honestly don't want to make Nemeth feel any more awkward than she already is. So we'll get to the first part of the question that I have, which comes up very naturally when you're reading the paper, which is you have to start by defining work. so work in my understanding is any labor that receives payment in exchange therefore domestic work is any home related labor that receives payment this can be sweeping cleaning washing clothes care work driving or even security um so can you either confirm or deny the weird statement or the weird definition that i've just concocted um i think it's a much more complicated question than to say um that the, so as i think we progress one thing which is important to highlight right in the beginning is that domestic work is often understood as something which is defined by a certain task or this you know or specific task which are allocated to the kind of the occupation it is but it's really something which what makes it different is actually the location of the work which is often not talked about and that's what complicates the whole category of work in this case so um So that's something I think probably we'll have to revisit as we go, um, but largely as we understand that this is what domestic work is usually uh, understood as. And I'm glad you touched on the issue of like the the issue here in the definition being the home related aspect of it, because in your paper you outline that homes are not recognized as places of work, um, so therefore labor laws cannot be applied there. However. like you say if the same work if the same work is done in this in a separate location which is a factory so if the same person is doing the same sweeping cleaning driving 
um, in a factory, labor laws are suddenly applicable. You know, the person is the same, the work is the same, but suddenly you have rights. So can you detangle this mess for us a little bit? As you mentioned, domestic work is one of the most rapidly expanding professions, which you also touch on. Um, and it's still like one of the mo most least regulated industries. So just like what's going on? Yeah, so I think I just want to start with what you had mentioned when you were just introducing the theme that, you know, this, like we've seen this sort of increase in the number of domestic workers in urban India. Uh, in the past decade, you know, almost every household has a domestic worker. And that is like what economist Jayati Ghosh says that these, there are two specific aspects to this. One is definitely this whole sort of, there is high economic growth, but there is also this sort of unemployment which is prevailing, which is just pushing people to look for more and more um, occupations. And this domestic work has fortunately or unfortunately for some people, it has been one of those. Uh, and the second part is that while there has been a high economic growth, it's not something that is equitable across all uh, classes. So this has pushed the middle classes who are actually able to afford to act, to have or hire someone at the domestic health, whether it's for cleaning or you know just even caretaking for children or even the elderly, which we often don't think about as domestic mm -hmm. work. So. Yeah. Um, Another thing I want to talk about, which I've been thinking about recently, and it's not really mentioned in the paper, is definitely this whole aspect of the, how the structures of the family have changed over the past decade, or even two decades for that matter. You know, this sort of transition from the joint family structure, mm -hmm. where uh, people really didn't feel the need to have a household because each household task was divided within the family, where you know, right. if someone is sick, someone's unwell, there'll be someone else who can take care of it. But now this, with this emergence of the nuclear family, there is this sort of need which is felt to have someone external or to hire someone to do that. So this okay. is where this whole understanding of uh, you know domestic work and why do we need domestic workers is something which is happening. Um, and as you mentioned that this is one of the most, you know, there is there are no regulations in place and it's an informal economy. And people come into the sector hoping that they will get um, you know, some sort of stable income, but that's really not the case. And I think that's, this is something we need to touch upon as we go forward when we talk about what are the different kind of challenges people face when they're actually working as domestic workers. And here, the category of domestic worker is very important. Um, and like often we think that, okay, the mm -hmm. is coming at home. That's pretty much about it. But that's not just what a domestic worker's life looks like. Now, there are broadly three kinds of domestic workers. Mm -hmm. One is someone who comes to your house in the morning, cleans, and then she leaves. So that's like a part-time domestic worker. And then you have someone who's a full-time worker who comes in the morning, say, at 7 o'clock, stays till 8 o'clock, does all the household work, and they go back to their own house. And then there is someone who lives with you also, uh, who's responsible for, like, literally everything mm -hmm. from cleaning, washing clothes, taking care of a child, everything. So that's... With, this is a, the reason I want to point this out is because this different categorize these different categories in itself make it evident that we cannot have one policy that can dictate all of this because work here is different, completely different for different people depending on how long they're working in a specific household. Um, and what I said that you know often we think of domestic work which is defined by tasks, but this is not the case. The whole problem is we need to 
really think about the complexities that are involved in this. And unlike other workplaces, the, the definition of domestic work is very problematic. And the government, the legislation does not take into account private household as you know a workplace per se. So yeah. yeah. Would I be safe in assuming that it is because domestic work has historically been women's work? And and like you mentioned that now that the family, now that India or like in general, whichever country becomes or like expands its middle class, the women also naturally work because it's a status symbol. But at the same time, it's women of the middle class going out to work, which leaves out, leaves a vacuum um, in the in the house because the man is not going to pitch in, you know, and do the domestic work. So you need another woman, but from a lower sort of socioeconomic background to do the work. But then that's also the reason why, like we touched on, you know, when we were confirming the definition of this, um, that it's the same work, it's the same person. the The only difference is one of a, a factory is traditionally all men. And a home is traditionally all women. That's the only difference. So would is that theoretically accurate? No, absolutely. And I think this just derives from this whole understanding of women being responsible for taking care of people. You know, this care work is a woman's job. And you would actually see it in our everyday lives. Like when people are even looking to hire someone, they would prefer a woman because right. they just think like she's going to, she won't be able to say no to certain tasks which a man would. Say, for example, serving tea, like a man might not uh, want to do that. Even though, like, if you hire a male servant, you might actually do it. It's fine, like, you would do it. But you go with the assumption that you want um, an XYZ person, like domestic help, to be a woman. Especially if they're taking care of a child, because right. you think of this whole, you know, maternal instinct that a woman can bring in. Um, right. Yeah, so it's definitely, I think it derives from this whole gender construction of work and domestic work which is a woman's job mm-hmm. but someone when it goes to the factory it has to be the man and again you know like how a woman in itself like she is going to be um, preparing food for a man to be able to go to work uh, along with other people in the household so it's yeah. definitely a gendered uh, occupation I feel like we established that with the example you gave earlier where you said that there's a division of labor amongst the family in the joint family and then Rhea reiterated how there's a vacuum that's created when once we move from a joint to a nuclear family as the sort of living expenses and the lifestyle changes. I feel like that division of labor is also amongst just the women in the family. So for example, if you get a new sister-in-law, your younger brother gets a wife, the division of labor for her will be different for the division of labor that's for you at that point of time. And I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm just reiterating what you guys said at this point. But yeah, I mean, there's a larger gendered conversation specifically in domestic work that I think we'll get into as we go forward. But Nimbat, that brings me to my next question. I mean, we've sort of established at this point that domestic work is very isolated and unsecured and also precarious for a lot of people. With different like i mean as you go into caste and gender descriptions but what do you essentially think is the main difference in workers rights specifically when it's somebody say working in a factory where they have labor laws and labor codes to go forward with and versus a domestic worker's daily work day because you sort of established that like the private home household is not in legislature anywhere right 
Um, so I think it, again, it goes back to what Riga had mentioned in the beginning, where <clears throat> this whole aspect of um, you know a, a house help could be working in my house, and at the same time they could be working in a factory, and they all of a sudden have more rights there. Um, you know, so this whole thing about domestic work being extremely fragmented is really important. Um, and even when we're thinking about the kind of work a domestic worker carries out during one working day, it's also not confined to one specific task which they're being paid for. Especially, I think this becomes the case for full-time house helps and women house helps, where, you know, when they, they are being hired, and this is something I've spoken to a couple of house helps that, uh, when they're hired, so they are asked, okay, uh, what all are you going to do? So they say that cleaning, washing, etc. So they list out like four or five things. But it actually ends up being much more and much more, not just in terms of work, but also situations which they might not be very comfortable with. You know, um, say if there's a house where the female uh, or the, the ladies of the house are not around and so the household is young. And usually if you see like these uh, households who are living in, they are very young uh, girls, like they're 18, 19, even younger than that, even children at times, and it's very common in India. Um, so they, this is something which they don't know what they're signing up for, and this is something which piles on at a later stage. And in the absence of any sort of social security benefits or anyone to manage, you know, or address the problems which they might face uh, working in a household as a worker who is actually doing labor, becomes a very important question that I don't think is asked enough. Um, it's everyone wants to have a house help, but they really don't want to think about the kind of problems they're facing. A very small example is that, you know how everyone wanted their domestic worker to get a COVID test in the second, first wave. That, the cow to negative, all of that. But there is no like responsibility from the employers to provide the same. You know, I could be COVID positive and a baby could be coming and helping me at home. And I don't really like have to care about that. What if her family gets COVID because of me? So this sort of, you know, because I am paying her, so she is accountable to me and not the other way around. I think that just defines what the difference between work is in a factory or in a private household where we don't, the question of dignity, I think, becomes missing all of a sudden. And this dignity of labor is something which is, very important when you're talking about domestic work or any kind of work which is so gendered and so rooted in caste. Um, so, yeah. So, in certain situations, um, let's say like Exhibit A, um, there is a there's a domestic worker, there's a Didi who has been sent a very inappropriate WhatsApp text by her supervisor. What does that look like at a home versus what does that look like in a factory? Yeah, the thing is that so the difference here becomes the question of management. Mm -hmm. um, and the management might be completely useless even in a factory. I don't know like how often a woman who's working in a factory tells her uh, manager or supervisor that this person has sent me uh, an inappropriate message and that gets addressed. Mm -hmm. Very like, you know, it's very rare. But in this case, a woman has no one to go to. Like in this case, especially if she's not hired through an agency. And in most of the cases, I can definitely say that even the agencies do not take any responsibility of these sort of deviances because there is this unsaid hierarchy. But imagine like if I have hired someone directly and the domestic health has a problem with me, I am someone who's causing her trouble. Who is she supposed to go to? She can go to someone else in my family, but 
you know, it's not going to end well for her because this is just this sort of fear of even talking about. And I think I'll come, uh, I'll come to this a little, a little more detail when we talk about this whole aspect of gender and the kind of issues uh, domestic workers really face when they're being employed in households. Yeah. It's also like a larger arc, like a larger conversation on how power dynamics work, especially in a pub, like in a private space as a household. Because I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna make the assumption that all households have equal power dynamics. I'm talking about extremely upper class middle house, uh, urban middle class households that are have more of a tendency to hire domestic workers, and mostly, I mean, I'm talking in a very larger like a very layman perspective that a man and woman might be on the same footing in the house. At that point, I feel like there's a lot more scope for the isolation of the person who's working in your house because in such a case that it arises, because we saw in, like, I mean, I think in 2012, 2011, there were multiple news stories about this, about domestic workers being harassed by people. And that still didn't, like, I mean, I don't think this largely made a difference because there's always this big power gap which also I feel like stems from, I mean, women being 71% of the total domestic workforce at this point. And of that, 75% are from the scheduled castes, 15% are OBCs and 8% are scheduled tribes. So in the context of your paper and in the larger context of the conversation we're having, what do these numbers mean and would look like on the ground? So I think caste is something uh, which it plays an extremely important role in the way domestic work is organized and the kind of tasks which are delegated to a domestic worker. Uh, and I just want to give you like two examples for this. One is from, I think I was just reading a couple of days ago that in an Anganwadi worker where one of the cooks who was hired was a Dalit woman and the upper caste family just stopped sending the children to school because they said that we will not have someone from uh, adult community cook meals for our children because of this whole notion of purity and pollution. So even in a lot of households, you will observe that they don't hire one house help. They'll have two separate house help, someone who can clean the house, who can clean the washrooms because that's something which is considered as you know impure because all domestic workers, they don't want to be cleaning your bathrooms. But this is, they say that we'll pay you more or whatever, but they will not have that person cook their meals because they feel like you know this is someone who performs like the dirty work and we don't want them to be uh, cooking what whatever like which is considered to be pure aspect of the house or they're not even allowed in the kitchen they won't be allowed like i know families who don't allow the uh, domestic help who cleans the bathroom to even enter the kitchen or to even touch the groceries because they consider it to be so impure and similar the second example is that you know in most of the households that i have seen at least in north india this general practice of having like separate utensils for the domestic workers and mostly they are made of steel they will not serve them in glass or you know the other kind of crockery which everyone in the household must be consuming so they'll have like steel utensils which are probably just ready to be discarded and the household can't sit on the chair yeah. she'll have to sit on the floor um and you know so this all sort of like this is tied to the question of caste and a lot of people nowadays are talking about that how um, class is replacing the whole aspect of caste, but that's really not the case. We live in a society where caste is so closely linked to occupation, which we see, say, for example, in the case of manual scavengers, right? So, despite a change in the, I mean, the data shows that 
most of the workers who are there they won't be from the general category uh, and they might not even be from the st uh, category but they might be from the sc and the obc so really like you know this is something which needs to be i think revisited this is the nsso data and i think it's quite dated now my paper references the 2010 data and i haven't had the chance to revisit but i think this is something would which would be interesting to compare what has changed in the past decade in terms of um the just the caste composition of domestic workers but my hunch is that it's pretty much uh, still seen as confined to the lower caste people belong to a certain caste background who can perform specific tasks which another person from an upper caste might not be doing and i think to this the question of gender is extremely closely tied and i just want to touch upon that here because um imagine being a woman and being from a dalit community being employed in a private household so there is a school aspect of double marginalization which you're facing you are facing the brunt of like an upper caste supervisor who might just not be comfortable with having you know a dalit worker at home and then again you're a woman so it changes this whole sort of like dynamic um, and you know i think a study that i've quoted in my paper it talks about the survey which was done in south delhi i think in 2018 where around 280 domestic workers were interviewed and around 92% of them said that we know other domestic workers or they have been they have faced harassment or Uh, sexual harassment in and around and i think around 75% of them said that this harassment is not confined to what conventional idea of harassment now we're not talking about just about rape or you know or molesting someone but something like stalking or what ria mentioned sending like an inappropriate whatsapp text whistling at someone or just this whole aspect of gaze which you know yeah. a woman like it's so hard for women to like document it and especially if you're uh working in someone's household and this hierarchy is there so that sort of stuff is there but again you know there is no data which the government maintains um specifically and even if they do i know for a fact that it is extremely underreported in terms of sexual harassment because a lot of women don't want to come out with the stories of abuse because they don't have the resources to fight it out in the long run they don't get a lot of support from their families and definitely not any support from the person they are you know reporting the case against so it's just yeah. sort of fear and to have like the basic needs met is something which is often not talked about and the legislation or the policy that completely devoid of taking into account the different needs of a female domestic worker as compared to a male domestic worker in the house so again i think i just want to like conclude this bit with so aspect that we cannot look at the aspect of the category of the domestic worker as one homogeneous category we have to take into account the differences and the different power dynamics that are involved in this and without taking that into account it's just uh, a stagnant conversation which requires you know urgent attention at this point and you also um, you know i'm glad you touched on this topic of um, you know th- there are cases where women have faced you know casteism like a, a woman who's like for example like if i have to paint a sort of a very common scenario which is you know a younger or you know maid will come at home there's a there's a man who's looking at her in a lewd way uh she has to be confined to the utensils she has to sit on the floor uh she doesn't have access to the 
the normal spaces of the household that the rest of the people do, which is the caste angle. Then there's also the angle of uh, she's doing traditionally feminine work. She is also going to be expected to do work outside of her normal, like, you know, ki chai bhi bana do and ye bhi kar do, lage haath ye bhi kar do. She's, she's going to do more and more work, which is the feminine angle of it and the, the gendered angle of it. But at the same time, like we like we confirmed at the beginning, she also does not does not have any rights in the house or in in a place where she's daily um, sort of violated, if not literally, right? Like at least systematically violated as an individual on multiple levels. Um, but and she has no either as a laborer or anything else, she has no right to sort of comp- or no one to go to and complain any anything or complain about anything but at the same time her only out of the and i've seen this firsthand her only out is to just say i don't want to work for you anymore that is it that's her only card to play there is no challenging there's no communication because she literally does not have the power you know communication happens between equals but in this in this scenario there she has no bargaining power which is not something you face at factories, you can unionize and all of that stuff. Um, so here, but at the same time, her, that the final card that and the only card she has, which is to leave, also means that she does not have any employment. Also means that, you know, her kids are going to either suffer, that she won't be able to pay the school fees for a month until she finds another work. Maybe the employer will, employer will badmouth her or blackball her in other houses and stuff like that. So it's, really like there is absolutely no avenue it's almost like you to put up or like make your peace with the fact that you're just going to live a horrible like laborious life in a way and this is where the state comes in right this is where the state uh says that no i am the i am the state i will i will make sure there are policies and um, circumstances where you as a worker can thrive at least from a labor angle um, and for our listeners, I just quickly want to go to go over the policy recommendations um, so that we can then discuss how exactly the state can now, you know, battle everything that we've already discussed so far. So quickly going over the policy recommendations before going over the... Wait, sorry, I'll restart. So I want to discuss the policy recommendations for improving the current status. Before that, I just want to go over the current or the present policy scenario. So in 1959, the first private member bill by the name of Domestic Workers Conditions of Service Bill was tabled in the parliament. Following this, four other bills were tabled in 1959, 72, 89 and 96. These discussed, you know, stuff like minimum wages, maximum working hours, police registration of the domestic workers, contributions to the house workers' welfare fund and so forth. But uh, the parliament did not enact any of these. To date, domestic workers are excluded from critical labor laws and are only protected by a patchwork of legal amendments here and there, maybe. Maybe regarding, you know, child labor or sexual assault and stuff like that. So with this as our context, how do we move forward in protecting, you know, the, the regular didi that comes at my house how do i make sure that she's from a state perspective and a policy perspective that she's taken care of 
So I think again, uh, what I mentioned, and I can't emphasize this enough, this whole question of dignity uh, needs to come even before any policy question that can, or any policy framework which we need in place because we can have the best of laws, mm-hmm. but yet like the people who are employing these workers do not have the basic sense of empathy or even an understanding of they are equals. I don't think any policy can really rectify any of this. And I think the bigger problem that has happened now is that um, there has been this increase and a staggering growth of these placement agencies which have come in, uh, come to play, which act as like this middleman um, and they help in facilitating this recruitment process between domestic workers and employers. Now, of course, some of these formalized agencies are backed by unions, big corporates, which really uses as a CSR opportunity for them. Um, and so, so they have all of that in place. But the majority of these placement agencies, they are not registered and they just function primarily for profit motives. So they get like, you know, uh, very young women from rural and tribal areas and they get them to cities like Delhi where they're not even comfortable or they don't even know the local language. Mm-hmm. So they're as young as like 10 to 12 years old and they're not providing any support and they're just being pushed into these households and just asked to like figure it out. And there is no redressal. They're not going to ensure what are the safe working conditions. The end goal is to make the employer happy. You know, so the employer is the point of focus. And India does not have a national law to regulate any of these placement agencies and which makes it which makes it extremely difficult for domestic workers since they are so prone to exploitation. Now, both by the middlemen who are involved through these agencies, and then there's also the final employer who's involved. And I think um, to address this loophole, um, the Delhi government had drafted this Delhi Private Placement Agencies Bill in 2012, um, which made it mandatory that all the domestic workers who are being hired, they should register themselves uh, under this bill. But the major criticism which Bill faced was that you're asking these workers to register themselves, but what about the employers? Why do we not need any information on them? Why don't we need a background check on them? You know, because like mm. a lot of work people have seen them when they want to hire um, a house help, they like a background check background should be absolutely fine. She shouldn't have a criminal record. There should be nothing, no FIR against her. But the same thing does not apply to an employer in, in whose house the domestic help a woman has to come and stay. Right. So this and along with these phone-based web applications who have which have this boomed all of a sudden where you can hire a domestic help through an app. Again, there is no mechanism for addressing um, you know, what their concerns are, if they're feeling safe, if they're in the middle of the night, they're feeling that, you know, the the supervisor or the employer is just being inappropriate. They have no one to go to. And which takes me back to just, you know, this whole aspect of how we even refer to domestic workers. This whole language of calling them knocker, knockerani. You know, like there's this unsaid aspect of servitude, that they're there to serve you. That you are on the top and they're beneath you. So they will have to do whatever you want them to do which basically reduces the labor of domestic workers into just an, it's more like a social transaction and not so much of an economic one as well, because it's someone Mm. who's on the top and you are going to serve them. That's pretty much about it. And, you know, so while of course we need a comprehensive national policy, which takes into account the different needs of domestic workers, understanding that domestic worker is not a 
homogeneous category but also taking into account the need to address structural issues of making a household a safe space um for a male or a female domestic worker for that matter and just bring in this whole question of dignity and treating people the way you want to be treated as well so yeah how does that also like uh, maybe if you can elaborate on how does that translate into action on gender and caste like we said is it do you think it will be more fruitful to for the state to now consider home also as a viable workplace and that applies to not just domestic workers but even houses where only the woman of the home works right even if there's no angle of there's a domestic help um but just the fact that labor is labor no matter where it is performed so uh, do you think that's a long shot i think it's going to be a tough uh, decision because mm-hmm. also this might be possible say for a house help who is working full time or is living in the house mm-hmm. but what about a house help who goes to four different houses right um and then there are times a lot of the house help are filling in for other house help so someone gone on a chutti for a week and she's working in this house doesn't know anything about it's really on the word of mouth so how is the government even going to plan and you know identify a household as a place of work for a worker so that's something which is i i mean it's not impossible but i do think that this is something if it comes from the right intention and the, the officials want to put in the right amount of effort to bring to light you know the rights of these workers and to even have a minimum wage for that matter like right. this is not even a conversation which is happening that how much are they paid you can't just pay them 200 rupees if you see in delhi um say in south delhi what a domestic worker is being paid as opposed to say east delhi you will see like a huge gap and they they are doing the same amount of work which they're doing so this is not something which the government has really thought about and the policies do not clearly there are no policies in place so they really don't reflect that but these basic things of a minimum wage social security benefits and all of this, this is something which definitely needs to be done I mean, I feel like ability to unionize. Sorry, sorry. I mean, I feel like at this point, I feel like the policies that have just been drafted and are just sitting pending or rejected have looked at regulating the laborers rather than regulating the place of work as well. I mean, I mean, it's again the whole dignity aspect of who's performing that labor and how much of sort of a social security benefit are you awarding them because. when you mentioned the idea of the agencies that were being set up and then you could just contact them and be like hey i want a domestic worker and that whole idea itself that transaction just this seems that is that's why i'm calling it a transaction it's essentially the means to an end their labor is not fruitful to their themselves because they're not getting paid equally for it it's just like they are using a person essentially as a means to an end which is very surprising in this yeah it's like yeah. hello i want someone and it's like picking out a person to it's just like so you know it's very like one i think just a quick example to just add on um, and there's no work which has been done on this um and maybe sprf can pick up study at some point but um i don't know if you guys have heard of this um, work by japa nurses have you so basically japa nurses are hired very common in north india when a woman is pregnant or she is given birth and they are hired to just stay with the mother for 6 months responsible for her massage everything 
you know taking care of the baby um and they're usually from kerala and calcutta and through agencies and it's very interesting because i was talking to someone who's like a much older person she was looking for a job for her daughter and the agency sends pictures of the jobs to uh, the employer that these are the pictures this and that and they choose based on okay i think she's uh, a little like heavy so i don't think she'll be able to do the household work oh um, so they also require someone who's thin who's fair because the child will be interacting with her uh, on a daily basis so they do they want someone to pleasant to be you know there to take care of the baby and touch the mother so someone has cannot be from a sort of caste just to yeah. be someone so they really like sending photographs for you to pick and choose whose help you would require so they want the pretty like fair you know relatively mm-hmm. fit um person to take care that's so wild to hear that beauty standards are being applied to this also i mean i mean i'm just i'm not shocked at the beauty standards i'm shocked at the whole idea of sending images for something like this i mean i was aware that i mean i was always aware of the fact that there is this um aspect of um a pregnant lady is pregnant in a house there they hire somebody to stay with her at all times i did not know this was this like whole process where they are hired in this way um very sad note to end on and i don't want to talk about this anymore <laughs> so i'm going to close this um but thanks for hanging out with us everyone we hope you took away something from this discussion and if you're you know if while listening your helper is running around the house be sure to support them in whatever way you can have a discussion with them about how you can you know best help them because right now it's really up to you um until there are certain policies that are formulated on this so yep do that and uh, in the meanwhile if you want a more in depth con- understanding of the topic head on over to sprf.in where you can read the paper for free and uh, yeah until next time i'll catch you later